I was in a lawyer's office uh, about a week ago in Flint, and one of the paralegals was like, come here. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what? And he uh, takes me in this back room, and he pulls out this bottle of moonshine, mm. like legit moonshine. He's like, you're going to drink this with me. I'm like, not going to drink this with you. He's like, you're drinking it with me. Yes. <laughs> I did. I drank it with him. I, it tasted way worse. I'm surprised you said no. <laughs> I would have been like, I'm going to yeah. drink it and then take yeah. some home. Right. Definitely. You're like, well, wait a minute. Is it made from Flint water? This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm on Prakash. Today, we're taking you all back to Flint, Michigan, because uh, y'all haven't been talking about it on social media, and it's still pretty important. Yeah, it's where we need to go. Let's go. Well, yeah. <laughs> First of all, before yeah. we get to our amazing guest, Corey Stern, yeah, are you you're for the Muslim ban or against it? <laughs> I just want you to yeah. clarify in um, stone. Think I, long and hard well, here. Listen, um, we might lose some. Yeah, listeners. right, right, right. I was, you know, I was really ambivalent about this, but um, I decided to go to the protest at the Brooklyn courthouse, <laughs> uh, where I bumped into Jeet. In fact, yeah, I heard that. yeah, yeah, dude, you guys are. We went there solo, and then we bumped into each other in front of the Brooklyn. And courthouse. by the way, yeah. I saw Jeet uh, Sunday, and he's like, "Yeah, hey, I bumped into him at the protest." I'm like, "Oh, did you guys take a picture?" Oh no, we didn't take a. You didn't, we, that, like. No politics at dinner table bumps into each other, <laughs> and you idiots. We're trying to get people to know us. You don't even take a fucking picture. Okay, listen, it's not all about just the market. By the way, okay. picture or it didn't happen. Oh, really? Is that that's how my, this works? That's my okay, motto. all right, fine, fine. Uh, we've, I mean, we have so much to talk about. I don't want to chase the news, but right. should we just for a second? Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Besides uh, the fact that Trump is doing what he said he was going to do. Right, right. I think one thing. Um, that I would say is that a lot of we know people who voted for Trump. Um, we do, and and I I can I won't call them out by name, but I can quote them verbatim sure. where where they essentially have said when it was election time, yeah, that he's just saying this stuff to get elected, right, 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 right. That he's just you know he's just talking smack. That basically. was a big that was a big um, right talking that, point. that this is all sort of not not even theoretical, but he's just, just basically outlandish. You know, TV talk, yeah. really. He's uh, just saying it to, right. to, to stir everything up. Um, but if you look at the cohort of people he's assembled around him, Holy the shit. ideology that's underpinning them, and and actually, not all of, of his supporters, but, you know, when the Klan is for you, when the neo-Nazis are for you, um, that's not, you know... You don't, get to just, you don't get to just say, oh, I'm not with them. When they're supporting you, that's a fucking problem. Well, you have to explain it. Right? <laughs> you have to have, there, there has to be some sort of explanation as to what is it about my platform, my ideology that is, that is attracts, attracting right, these people. That attracts um, these types. And so, so on the one hand, I'm shocked, whatever. But on the other hand, I'm so not. Yeah. Um, th- but that said, I, I just feel kind of dejected at, at some points. You know, it, it, there, there's... That's why, you know, Saturday night, yeah, really cold Saturday night, really where I want to be is at a protest. I know. Not, not really, um, but I dragged my butt there because I just felt like you something. You got to do, do something. Do something. Um, I don't even know how effective it was. Actually, Judge Ann Donnelly had said, I, it was just kind of a weird statement, and actually um, I'm going to ask Corey about this in a second, but um, she said that in her explanation that the – the fact that there was a protest outside um, was significant. 
right now. And that's not saying that it, it sort of turned As her decision or anything where? like that. Inside? Well, well, no, just like the <laughs> right, right, just like that, that, that it was happening, right? That 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 that. You where know, else would it happen? Well, no, no, just that the fact that people would be out, you know, yelling, screaming, ACLU, right, you right. know, that the fact that that's going on um, was significant and 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 maybe had an effect on on her legal reasoning. Um, or her decision, I don't know, maybe right. not reasoning. Um, which is an interesting thing, which is actually something that I've always thought about the judiciary, which is that it's actually hopelessly political, even though we of like course. to say it's apolitical and it's just the rule of law yeah. and um, there's sort of competing uh, jurisprudential frameworks of analysis and blah, blah, blah. But but really, it's, it's really... Uh, shot through with politics because it's about how power is going to be administered. Yeah. Right. So, um, I thought it was interesting, uh, that she would say that, uh, of course, all the people are there like, yeah, we get credit for being, we are, it's our decision. <laughs> you got to take that like credit. Football, you guys right? should all get tattoos. Yeah, yeah, right. 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 So let's introduce our guest, Corey. Yes. Let's let Corey tee himself up so we don't butcher all the great work you're doing. Thank you. Uh, so I'm Corey Stern. Uh, I am an attorney, and I am a lawyer for about 2,000 children in Flint, Michigan, who were lead poisoned from the decisions that were made and the manner in which those decisions were implemented in Flint, Michigan, starting in April of 2014. So in other words, he's doing... Uh, a much better thing than any of you. Right, right. This Including is, us. Right, right. <laughs> 2,000 kids, it's not nothing. Remember when uh, Lloyd Blankfein of Goldman Sachs says he did God's work? Um, I think... <laughs> His name's <laughs> Lloyd Blankfein. Yeah, he's the chairman of Goldman. So, uh, so tell us, uh, one, how this all came about. Because sure. you, you don't live in Flint. Sure. I'm a, so I'm a New York lawyer by way of Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent about uh, the first 12 years of my career practicing law in Georgia, and my family and I moved to New York uh, roughly three years ago, and I handle cases for kids, and I primarily handle cases for kids who have brain damage from lead poisoning, and I got a phone call from a woman in Detroit who I truly believed was high uh, sometime in December of 2014, and right. she told me the story of, of this government that poisoned her children, and uh, I, I quickly told her I wasn't a Michigan lawyer and I probably couldn't help her myself, but I'd be more than happy to try and find her somebody. And, uh, I, I hung up with her very, very kindly, but casually and, uh, began Googling a bit. Uh, I was a little bit surprised at what I found. A couple of days went by and, uh, because of what I do for a living, my wife and my secretary, you know, continued to tell me like, you really should read about this Flint stuff. And I started to in more depth and the thing kind of exploded on the news. I started feeling like, what am I not doing here? Right. And I called the lady back, begged her for the opportunity to help her. And, um, I had no intention of representing 2000 kids. I was oh just hoping God. that she'd let me represent her three. About a week later, Rachel Maddow was hosting a town hall in Flint. Uh, very hard to get into. I never was able to get a, a ticket. Uh, I, we live in New York, and I tried very hard with all our connections to Saturday Night Live and the news, and no one could get me in. I flew there anyway, showed up in a suit, and realized that uh, the suit was probably not going to get me in. And I quickly <laughs> put on a T-shirt and jeans and a sweatshirt and rolled up my sleeves so right. they could see that I had a little ink, and I put on a, a baseball cap and 
a very nice lady at the the desk at the entrance said, "Where's your ticket?" I said, I, "Honestly, I don't have one." And she said, "Well, come on in." So, oh, wow. I heard the uh, the individuals there speak to the families there. Probably four or five hundred people were there, and they told these parents that if they just fed their kids more greens and we got some more school nurses in Flint, then their children would be okay. Wow. As a lawyer who does lead poisoning cases, I knew that that wasn't accurate. And I flew back to New York and begged the guys that, you know, brought me here from Georgia to let me get more involved. Told them we were essentially frauds if we didn't go because right. this is what we do. And yeah. so they started letting me go. And every week I'd go back and talk at churches and schools. And 2,000 kids later, you know, here we are kind of fighting the fight. Wow. So before we get into it, what yeah. is the status with the water? Can people drink the water yet? No. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Um, in America. Yeah. People I, cannot drink their tap water. Yeah. Yeah. These days you could say in America blank and there's a lot of things. Absolutely. <laughs> fill in now. But. but I feel like those blanks, a lot of those blanks came because people can't drink their water. Yeah. I mean, the basic, that's a basic uh, thing we don't even think about here. Like, yeah, you turn your fucking tap water and drink it. I think even when it's bad, it's good. There's a number. I mean, one thing when I was just sort of uh, reading up on this uh, was that there was a series of sort of preconditions for this to happen. Um, and the way I wanted to ask you, Corey, is that there's like these this is weird timeline, right? So in April, um, uh, well, let's go back. 2012, they pass a law in Michigan of emergency managers, right? And this is a law where basically hatched by places like ALEC, the American Legal Exchange Council, you know, that, that you know, it's, it's sort of a vortex of free marketers, libertarians, um, and conservative thinkers to produce law that can be sort of taken around the country. One of the laws that they produce is this emergency manager law, which gives this guy Governor Rick Snyder, the ability to basically commandeer municipalities, uh, tear up, you know, municipal contracts with unions, uh, alter, violate city charters, um, and privatize uh, various parts of what were once, you know, public utilities. Um, and so that passes. And that's how the state of Michigan gets, gets, gets control, right? And so they get control. And it's their emergency manager, and this is where I, I want some clarification from you. It's their emergency manager in cahoots with the sort of um, city elites that do this sort of transfer from the Detroit to the Flint River as the water source in April of 2014. And then a year later, um, that's when you get, you know, the Virginia Tech guys coming and saying there's there's levels of of toxicity that is double the size of hazardous waste oh, within one year, right? Uh, so if we, two things, right? How do we get from pressing of a button, switching the water source to double levels of toxicity? Um, and then is it the case that, you know, who's culpable here? You know, in, in terms of your case, like who, who's the case against? So the answer to most questions that we don't know the answer to is usually money, mm. uh, like not just in the mm. law, but in life, I think. And ultimately, when uh, you, you're correct, the governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, appointed an emergency manager because Flint was in debt. Mm. And what the law says in Michigan is that if you're in debt and you're a city, you're, you're essentially a corporation, but you're a government corporation. You have two choices. You can either choose to declare bankruptcy which nobody ever wants to do. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's sort of a nuclear option. Or you can allow our emergency manager to come in and try and get your finances in order. Mm 
The people of Flint, the city of Flint, was getting its water from Detroit. It was coming to Flint already uh, treated. And so when it would get to Flint, nothing needed to happen except go through the pipes and, mm-hmm. and drink. Or used for showers, or used to cook, or used to bathe. I mean, you talked about drinking the water. Right. When this first happened, I tried to to see what my life would be like for a day if I didn't have the use of water, and instead I was using bottled water. And you know, you have kids, and you have a family, and you have to cook, and it's it's more than just the drinking. It's sure. really hard. And Flint has a river that flows through its city. Uh, General Motors, for years and years and years, was in Flint, and you know, people talk about how GM dumped things in the water and that's not part of the case but I think it's a reality that most people in Flint know and the emergency manager came in and said that one way to save money will be to change over from the Detroit water source to the Flint River because in two years we're going to have a new water source right. the the Karagandi water source which is you know it's, it's neither here nor there but it's it's part of the story and so for uh, a cost savings, they decided to switch over to the Flint River. That decision in and of itself, a lot of people will debate whether it was the right or wrong decision. But earlier in 2011, there was an assessment done of the Flint River to determine whether it could actually be used as a water source. And the answer was probably, but it would be extremely expensive to treat the water because the water was so bare, bad to mm-hmm. make it consumable. So when they made the decision to switch, they hired private companies to, to come in and make the switch. And unfortunately, when they made the switch, they did so without using what's, what's called corrosion control. So the bad water would flow through pipes, and most pipes are made out of lead. And the bad water, because it didn't have any of the good stuff in it to make sure that it didn't pick up the bad stuff as it went through the pipes, yep. ended up picking up all the bad stuff as it was getting into people's homes or businesses or schools Mm -hmm. or libraries or churches or whatever. And not only was this happening, but as it's happening, the ability to fix the pipes becomes lesser and lesser and lesser because they're being stripped of any protection that they may have naturally had or organically had as a result of the corrosion control that was previously in place with the Detroit water. So Who's culpable? You know, it's, it's, there's so many, it's like standing in the middle of the woods and 50 people have a gun and shoot at a bear and the bear dies. You don't really know who shot the bear, but they all shot a gun. You've got the private company. They had one job, you know, like make Mm. the water okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you had the person who made the decision to switch to the Flint water, who at a minimum hired a company that had one job to make the water okay and they didn't do it. You've got people who once they realized that this community was being provided water that probably was not consumable instead of owning it or trying to uh, fix it or or at least inform people about it intelligently and in a way that could help protect them, instead decided to create ways in which, A, no one would know, and B, the people could be deceived into believing that the water was okay. So there's culpability to go around a lot. Yeah, that's... So can you, can you tell us who, or, and, and if you can't, no worries, but who is your case against? So we originally, so I, I think the sexy story on TV that everybody told, you know, originally was about the racist governor and the government that targeted black people in a right. community. Right, right. When Environmental this first, racism was the term that yeah. was bandied about. When, yeah. I, when this yeah. first started, I don't know if that was really, um, that was a story I don't think I was buying. I, I guess generally on a personal level, I, I try and believe everybody's good and... 
you know, this governor has a reputation for being a very moderate Republican, and, you know, he's elected by a significant percentage, Democrats and Republicans mm-hmm. alike, all, all, you know, harried him as being very good. So originally I thought, you know, even though that's the sexy story, the real story is, you know, governments make decisions and then they typically outsource it. You know, if, this, if the state of New York wanted to fix a road, I don't know if it's city or state employees that are going in to fix the road. It's private contractors that bid on a job and ultimately they're responsible for what they do. So my, my original reaction to all this was I thought the private engineers that were hired to make the switch were primarily responsible because even if it was a bad decision, A, decide it's a bad decision and tell the people that hired you this can't be done, or B, if it's a bad decision but it can be done, do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think in, in, as, as I've learned more, as I've gotten more involved, as I've spent more time there, as I've read more, you know, information that's been the product of discovery or legal mumbo-jumbo, but just requesting information, and a lot of it's public because of, you know, significant action taken by private companies and private entities and, and nonprofits, I do think the government, um, at a minimum made some very, very poor decisions when this came out, and they could have saved and helped a lot of people if they would have just owned it. And I think at worst, uh, they knew exactly what was happening Mm -hmm. when they made the decision. And if this was a city like West Bloomfield, which is the equivalent of Merrick, Long Island, or, you know, or East Bloomfield, which is the equivalent of Mamernick, it wouldn't have happened. But instead, because this is the equivalent of East New York, you know, they just, who cares? You know, right. It's just a bunch of poor folks from Flint. I've heard the cost savings were I also quite look, paltry, right? There was like a hundred. Probably a hundred dollars a day right. to actually use the corrosion control. Wow. Right. We call that negligence. Yeah. Just want to let you know that's a nice case for the yeah. law firm. Negligence <laughs> is bad. Um, wow. So let me ask you a question. And I want to get in a little bit to where we are today politically. And I, you know, one of my big arguments for the liberals in New York and many of my very good friends who love to think anyone that voted for Trump is a racist, they don't give a shit, they're selfish, blah, blah, blah. And my whole entire argument's been, yes, that's definitely some of the people. But I always point to Flint as a place, and and I think there's more places like that in this country where... People can't drink their water. People, and you know, Trump won Michigan. Um, and I always look to Flint as, as a place that's like, you know, when you can't turn your water on and someone, and some big multi-billionaire businessman is coming in and he's an outsider and he's telling you he's going to fix this and he's going to bring jobs back. And he's, do you find from your time in Flint that that's played into maybe him winning that state? I think that the... Oh, wait, before you answer this, by the way, I've been arguing that it has, so really <laughs> I understand. Really so if I ever want to come back on the show, <laughs> right, I better say yes. Right. You can really fuck my uh, shit up here. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know, I, okay. I think from the folks in Flint that I've that I've met in a level beyond just sort of meeting them one time, but kind of gotten to know and and really care about and cherish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Trump necessarily um, was someone they saw as an individual who's going to help or save them. But I think they found a lot of uh, disingenuous. They found Hillary Clinton on some level to be disingenuous. Mm -hmm. I I think that she used Flynn as a significant part of her campaign. Mm -hmm. And right. She went there, right? Yeah. I mean, she, she met with the mayor and she, you know, they created a, a, a group or a task force or whatever. And, you know, when she won the primary, I don't think she ever went back. 
Right. You know, I, I think that they saw her, and, and you got to remember that some of the trade deals that, that her mm-hmm. family was responsible for didn't necessarily help Michigan when it came to General Motors and when it came to the right. car industry. And so they were, they were appreciative of her coming to speak and talk at churches and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. But they were already distrusting of her because of what happened to the auto industry such that when she didn't come back after the primary, I think they were very, very angry. Um, the people I met very much like Bernie Sanders. Uh, part of it is I, I did, and so I probably heard them louder than, than I heard the people for Hillary, and I, I wasn't a tremendous fan of hers from mm-hmm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're, in, you're, in good, you're in similar colors. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. you know, that, it's not my goal, but I'm glad that you know, there's some fellowship <laughs> No arguments here, yeah. bud. Um, in friendly yeah. country. But I, I do think that it is a hopeless dire situation and it's easy i had this conversation this about with some friends right after the election a bunch of guys we were eating dinner and no one could understand how this happened and and i i, I think i took my my flint experience a little bit and and i injected it in the conversation and you know i wake up every morning in brooklyn and for the most part like i think today's going to be better than yesterday like it's expensive to live here and it's not always the perfect world and we have a small apartment but Life is pretty good. You know, yeah. I get to do stuff like this and hang out with good people, and my kids go to a great school. It's fantastic. Right. Most of the country doesn't wake up and feel that way. Right. You know, and, and when you're waking up bathing in bottled water or having to make a decision between boiling, you know, boiling bottled water to cook pasta and letting your child bathe in cold, nasty water because both things need to happen, or feeding your child the bad water but letting them bathe in, in, in warm water, whatever the, the case may be, these are decisions that in America you wouldn't expect people to make. And so when you've got an individual running for president who was on some level in their minds responsible for General Motors leaving Michigan, who's making promises but not showing up, and then you've got the businessman who appears to be very successful in everything he's done, mm-hmm. he may be a glimmer of hope despite the fact that he doesn't actually speak to them or for them and, and may actually be the antithesis of what they expect from him. And so I do think that what he represented played into Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and, and middle America. You know, I've always imagined this truck driver listening to the radio at four o'clock in the morning after driving 21 hours and wondering when he's going to get home next and wondering if there's some other truck he could drive for more money and woke up that morning not knowing if he's going to be able to afford the, you know, the sausage, egg and cheese biscuit from the quick trip. I wake up here and I, you know, I wonder which coffee shop I'm going to on my way to which train I decide to take on the way to my Manhattan office to go help kids in Flint. I mean, it's a different, it's a different dynamic. Yeah. And so the short answer is yes, absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, mm-hmm. and I mean this completely respectful, respectfully, if I were on a jury and you were litigating, whatever you wanted me to do, I would do. <laughs> Thank I'm you. totally in. Guilty, not guilty. Yeah, right, I'm like, right. I, yes, Done. yes. yes. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I mean, one thing that, I'm wondering about is, you know, the the, the political situation aside, um, that is there some sort of glimmer of hope that you see? I mean, there there can only be, otherwise there wouldn't be a court case, right? I mean, I would imagine that... Um, yeah, they're going to win? You court, guys got to win this. Court, court cases are fundamentally optimistic yeah. in some way, right? <laughs> right? They have to be. Um, so that... And by the we'll, way, it seems like a no-brainer. Well, yeah. Well, but who knows, right? But, but I... 
the, the sort of larger question is that will there be some form of justice for these people and what might that look like? So there's mm-hmm. two, yes, I think there will be. And there's two, you know, to short to answer in a, in a short way and then I'll expand. There's, there's two ways there will be justice. Number one, and, and I don't want to fool anybody into believing this is for the right reasons. I think it's very politically motivated. But the attorney general for the state of Michigan has appointed a task force that is made up of some of the greatest lawyers I've met since I've been going there. And it's their job to criminally indict and prosecute individuals who were in part responsible for this. So they've been indicting government officials, some of which have been indicted for felonies. Right. And this is wow. that Chouette guy? Yeah, Bill, Bill, Bill Shooty yeah, is Schutte. his name. Okay. And, and he's, uh, you know, frankly, since, since you know, we're being honest here, uh, he's probably going to run for governor. And mm-hmm. much of his platform is going to be not only am I a Republican, but I'm the Republican that drained the Republican swamp in, mm-hmm. in Michigan, and I'm helping the people of Flint. There's going to be a criminal component to justice that, you know, may make people feel good, but it doesn't really come with much for the kids or for the people who have been hurt. The only way to really help them is to get them money, which seems shady and just, it, it, it doesn't feel right. It gives you a knot, it gives me a knot in my stomach that all I can do for these people, truly, mm-hmm. is get them money. And my focus is on the children. I mean, there's a lot of lawyers, you know, lawyer, I don't have a ton of friends that are lawyers. I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of lawyer jokes and most of them have good reason to, to exist. Right. And I think that ultimately people should just stay in their lane. And my lane is kids and kids that are brain damaged from lead poisoning, whether it's from an apartment in the Bronx because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're ingesting paint dust or they're eating paint chips because it tastes like candy or because they drank water in Flint. And these kids started out life 10-point underdogs because they were poor kids from Flint, Michigan, whose parents had what we would consider nominal jobs in a, in a community that, you know, that just never really produced much. Now their cognitive abilities are stunted. Their ability to actually finish school has diminished. They're more likely to get left back. They're more likely to not graduate high school, which means they're less likely to get a job, which means the crime rates will probably rise in a place where they're already high. And, you know, for kids who are already 10-point underdogs, it's, it's just a disaster. And so all I can hope to do on some small level is convince a jury at first that one of these kids could have been X, but instead is going to be Y. And because they're not going to get to be X, they have lost over the course of their life an immense amount of money that they would have been able to earn. And then there's a value to being, you know, the oldest kid in third grade or fifth grade where everybody else is, is you know, nine years old and you're 11 and you're growing facial hair and it takes you twice as long to do a test to get a grade that's four times as bad as everybody else and the shame that comes with it and the, you know, the feeling of being less than. And it's just a very, very bad situation. So the hope is to provide them with money that can ultimately compensate them for what they won't be able to earn, to somehow get them money for the shame that they're going to feel. But not one of us, whether you have a nephew, a niece, a kid, you know, a neighbor, there's no amount of money someone could pay me to, no, to, right. to put my to kids quantify that. through that, right, you know? Right. And so, yeah, there's some hope, but, but ultimately it's a sad place and it's a sad situation. And every time I go there, you know, I hug my kids tighter when I come home. I'm more thankful for what I have. I, and then you think about these poor people. It's hard to talk about one without what's going on in the world, you know? These people coming over on boats or on planes, you know, I know that there are some bad people in the world, but you look at the kids that that everyone's clapping for at JFK when they come through. The only difference between those kids and my kids were the difference, the, the circumstances in which they were brought into the world. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, so. So let me ask you a question. What you're representing two thousand people. Mm-hmm. 
what is the estimate for how many people on some level have experienced lead poisoning in Flint? So lead poisoning, probably everybody. Okay. Um, and, and the population, I think, is, is around 150,000 or 120,000 now. Lead poisoning affects young children in a way that's different than adults. Kids whose brains are still being formed if they're lead poisoned, it affects their cognitive abilities yep. as the, forever. It's permanent. For adults whose brains are already formed, you know, they're, they're being poisoned by lead or consuming lead. It has other effects. It, it, it's physical effects, uh, you know, on your, on your internal organs. So that's not really my lane, you know. But, but I do think that there's also an emotional component that, you know, I, at first I don't know if I believed in this. I think there were a lot of lawyers that talked about it and it just sounded like hogwash to me. But I'm starting to buy into the fact that there's just an emotional component to living with this to living with the idea that we're now almost three years, you know, past mm -hmm. when this happened. Yeah. And people still can't use their water to cook pasta. When the fuck is the water going to be fixed? That's my big question. Like, I, I actually was thinking you were going to yeah. say, you know, it's it's actually half of it's fixed, but April I'm 20, April this year will be the three-year anniversary. And by the way, right? can, I, can I say insane. another thing to you? And it's just like, it's, it's we're, I mean, there's just so much to be angry about, but like, no one's talking about this anymore. You yeah. know, like you don't see this in the news anymore. I mean, I know Trump's filling up the news with uh, more juicy stuff, but like this is still happening. And like people just let this go. And it's it's very it makes me so angry. Um, I think things like this, things like um, famine, things that are slow moving yeah. violence. Yeah. Um, don't get this type of play it, it, I, you know speaking in his, in history terms as well the stuff that comes down that makes it into history books and stuff like that you it it is not the stuff that has a pernicious long-term effect yeah. on society um that will make it into that journalism yeah, or in the history books unless it's in some way spectacular Right, so right. for a while, Flint was in the news, right? Well, sure, when but the it was, in, was happening, yeah, exactly. It was in the news in so Swing far state. as it could be, um, yeah, uh, leveraged as uh, as having some sort of political value. Of course, I, I think there was. To be fair to some journalists, I think there was a sort of there was some uh, moral objection to you know what was going on, and there was some outrage and stuff like that. But then it died down because it's law. I mean, three years, right? I mean, Which brings us yeah, to yeah. when? When are we thinking we're gonna? I mean, it, yeah. it's gonna switch right back to Detroit, right? So uh, well, <laughs> it doesn't already, sound that well, hard. So they've already done that. But, but. The, the problem is, is because the water's so bad and it destroyed all the pipes that even if you put water from the from glaciers through the it's pipes over. right now, it's still picking up the bad Jesus. stuff from the pipes. So replace the pipes. Like I said earlier, the answer to most questions is money. If you don't know the answer. It's a cheaper fix to allow good water to flow through the bad pipes for an extended period of time because ultimately what the engineers and scientists say is that it will create a coating eventually on the pipes oh such that they'll God. be usable. But rather than replacing the entire infrastructure of the city, they're going that route. Wow. Because you have a federal government that, you know, the Environmental Protection Agency claims wow. we were, you know, we were lied to. We were lied to by Michigan and and so we're not responsible for for what happened here. The state of Michigan says that's not true. You know, you're the overseer, you're the you're the big daddy. It's your job to make sure that we're doing things right and you didn't do it. So you have senators in the United States who don't want to pass legislation to help fund 
you know, a fix of, of Flint because they believe the state's responsible and the state has a significant surplus of money. The state doesn't want to pay for anything because, A, it's an admission on some level that they've done something wrong and it opens up a floodgate of litigation, which there already is. And B, they believe the federal government's responsible because just like Katrina, this is a natural disaster. It deals with water. It deals with lead. And it's, it's you know, so you have politicos who, you know, a guy in Iowa. Wait, they're frame, I'm sorry. They're framing this as a natural disaster? Well, the I mean, people, this the, the state would like, the state would like, made. the state would like to call it that because it, it invokes federal funding. And the gov- the federal government, of course, doesn't believe it is because then it's the state's responsibility. So it's. Will it get fixed? You know, I, I, if you're a business, I, I go there and, you know, one of the things I do when I'm there is I eat. It's, it's you know, where do you eat? Like every, every restaurant you go to, there's a sign that describes their water process. Jesus I mean, e- every day Christ. I go to lunch, I end up driving 12 miles to a subway because it's outside of where the water was ever delivered. I mean, if you want to fix a city business, you know, Trump is probably uh, decent at, and I'm being kind, you know, he could probably invigorate the business culture of a city if he really set his mind to it. But what person in the world, if you're a business owner or entrepreneur, or you have money to invest, is going to invest in any way whatsoever in a city where the one thing you can't guarantee is the quality of the water? Nobody. I mean, whether you're making a product or serving yeah, a, nobody. A, a, nobody. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's it's um, it's just a really, really dire situation for these people. And frankly, I don't think the infrastructure will ever be fixed in a way that's meaningful. I think that ultimately the, the hope would be for most of these people to get as much money as they can. And move. You know, if it were me, I think that's what I would do. But some of them are so proud. Of I mean, it's, it's a community of just... So we can assume that this governor's approval rating is nothing. He, he's, you know, he's done. Good for him. He's not up for re-election, and so yeah. he doesn't have to worry about that. He's, uh, you know, I, I would give him a pretty high percentage of getting indicted, but most people put me in the minority in, in that frame of mind. Sh- but It sounds like he should be indicted. You know, I go back and forth. I mean, he's he's got he's responsible for a lot of cities in the state. And right. if if his he's admitted that he could have done better and should have known more and should have done more. So he's blaming it on I, I, these guys. I hired these guys to. I mean, I've heard pay his, attention to this his, shit. And, you know, and her, uh, profuse uh, apologetics. Um, but isn't it the case? It was in October that he put out his 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 office put out a press release saying that the the water in Flint's fine, right? Yeah, and it's just it's the problem with the pipes. A couple pipes are problematic, but otherwise the fundamental water supply is fine. Which which is which if and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but there seems to be a paper trail within the government that they knew prior to October 2015 that the water was fundamentally compromised. Yeah, and 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 it's listen. It's a disingenuous statement the one he made because you're talking to a people to a group of people that want to believe you badly. And to say that the water source is fundamentally okay is true. The water source is now switched back to the first water source, and it, they're right. It's treated properly. What? what he's not saying is is that you know when that properly treated water source is running through these pipes that have been stripped down of all their coatings, such that as soon as water runs through, you're getting lead and copper and right. whatever else into your bodies that it's still not safe to drink. And and listen, part of this is they weren't prepared for this crisis. They told people in Flint at one point in time that if you boil your water, everything's going to be okay. If you boil water that has lead in it, the lead becomes more concentrated, not less. It's like it's like telling people it's okay to juggle a grenade. And so, you know, all of a sudden you've got these people that are doing exactly what they're told by their government and either they were maliciously doing it which i doubt or they were just too ignorant to even to even have some 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 evidence that backed up their statement and yeah 
I mean, it just for Snyder, it just it it doesn't make any. The, for me, the chronology doesn't make any sense, right? That October 2015, you're saying is fine. January 2016, you're declaring a state of emergency, right? Um, and meanwhile, there's all this information from your own EPA people that. I, I guess I guess I guess when I when I when I try and think about what he did wrong, you know, I, giving him the benefit of the doubt, where it starts with me is that way earlier than 2015, you know, late 2014, early 2015, you've got people from Flint showing up at town hall mm -hmm. meetings with water that looks like urine, with water that looks like people have ashed in it, with water that you would never drink if it came out of your pipe. And they're standing up and saying, this is my water. This is my water. And even if he didn't know anything about it until then, if you're the governor of Michigan and you've got hundreds, if not thousands of people showing up at town hall meetings in a place like Flint where they don't show up with bottles of water, with photographs that are being published in at least local newspapers, I think you have a responsibility at that point in time to step up. And it took him close to a year after those, those instances to even acknowledge that this was happening. I mean, if this was, again, if this was a more affluent community, I'm not, it's not even a racial thing. Flint, I've got as many white clients as I do black. The commonality is socioeconomic. It's, it's not economic, racial. Right. It's and so if this was a more economically savvy community, A, they would have never stood for it. B, they wouldn't have, they would have absolutely been heard. And C, the government, because of its constituencies, typically comprised of fundraisers who come from more affluent mm -hmm. communities, would have acted on it. And so... I hated the idea of believing this was a targeted event. But the more I read about it and the more I think about it and the more I meet these people and the more I get to know some of the government officials, it, it may have been blind targeting. Like, I think they were just ignorant to it. You talked about Trump earlier, how if, if the KKK supports you and if neo-Nazis support you, ultimately those are your people. You know, if all these people are talking to you about what's happening to them and you ignore them, ultimately they're not your people. Right. Because if they were your people, you would have done something about right. it. Mm -hmm. So what is the timeline on this? Do you, or, I mean, I'm guessing they're not going to want to settle. This is going to go to trial. So I think there were a lot of lawyers who got involved in this early who believed that when Hillary Clinton became president and the Democrats took the Senate, that there would be a, a mass fund that would be created for these individuals and they would take care of the people that were hurt. We never really, I never subscribed to that. I mean, A, politics are unpredictable. B, I was never able to fathom the idea of her getting more votes than anybody. Uh, I was surprised, actually, how much she won the popular vote by because I just wasn't compelled. You know, I think being compelled by someone is a big part of showing up. And C, you can't, you can't put people's hopes and fears into an idea that if the right people are elected, they're going to they're gonna do the right thing. I mean, sometimes... You know, in every job you have, whether it's teaching or, or, you know, being a lawyer or being a doctor or sweeping streets, there's a part of the job that's like the muck. It's like the crap that nobody wants to do. It's the digging. It's the reading. It's the writing. I call it's, that grading. Right. That's <laughs> a, right. So it's the grading. And I think that on some level, lawyers felt that because the crisis was on MSNBC daily and because CNN covered it and because there was an election, that we'd all be able to avoid the muck. And the reality is, it's very rare in life to be able to avoid the muck if you want to accomplish anything of significance. And so I think it's going to resolve itself by way of sifting through the muck and actually litigating the case. And nobody, nobody thinks these cases are going to go to trial. I do. I mean, I totally believe that until, you know, they may offer some money, but until somebody stands up for one of these kids in court and convinces a jury of what happened being wrong and a jury decides how much it's worth for one kid, 
can they have a conversation with me about what it's worth for two thousand? And so you know, I, I just by the way, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> it's going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real you know, expensive. we're either going to get nothing, or we're going to you know they're going to yeah. they're going to give the kids an island to go right. live on. You know, yeah. and it's going to be a nice one, like by somewhere the way, in the Caribbean. Right. By the way, right. Right. they fucking it's not should. Staten Island. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> for them, that would be the Caribbean, yeah, right. but maybe, no, maybe. They, they've just never been to the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. That was a pleasure. That was uh, that was enlightening. So do you, so. Well, no, hold on. Is this multi-year? Like you got? Is this like year? Oh, this yeah. long? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, a much older man than I would, you know, would probably have quit by now. But I, you know, I, I listen. This could go on for five years. It could it could be over, you know, in a year. Um, again, we. I, I'm not in charge of the purse strings. You know, I, I I think that if I were the bad guys, they commoditize these people. You know. Somewhere in some room, somewhere they're doing a business analysis. Right. What's my worst case scenario? What's my best case mm-hmm. scenario? How much will it cost for me to be somewhere in the middle and closer to my to my best case scenario than my worst? The reality is, it's going to take a lawyer at some point with a set of rocks to probably look them in the eyes, and and even though they offer more money than these people probably have ever had or the lawyers may have ever made, if it's not enough, I hope that whoever is on the other side of that question says no. And, you know, it'd probably be me. And, and, you know, I hope I have the fortitude at that point in time to know the difference between really doing right by these people and sort of doing right by these people. Because mm-hmm. people have been trying to sort of do right by these people for quite some time, and it's not enough. Someone needs to actually stand up and say, it ain't enough. And even though you offered X amount of millions of dollars, it's just not enough. You know, yeah. they, they, so, yeah. So what can people do, uh, you know, how can people help? Shoot, man. I wish they were, you know, I, I think... I think the way people can help is not necessarily related specifically and directly to Flint, but just, you know, staying active, staying abreast of what's happening. You know, Flint was, I, I don't believe people would know about Flint if there wasn't an election going on. Definitely. I, I, I think that. Not the level. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that Rachel Maddow did a very, very good job journalistically of covering this at a time where nobody else did. Mm-hmm. When the others jumped in, it became very politicized. And I think that sort of, th- that put a lot of gas in the tank for a while. And then when the politics died down, the, the car ran out of gas and right. nobody's tried to fill it up again. But Flint is is indicative of a much bigger you know issue in our country. I mean, there's there's bad water in Newark. There's bad water in right. Philadelphia. Right. There's bad water in Washington D.C. There's we have an infrastructure that's comprised of pipes that were all placed at a time where nobody knew how bad lead was. I mean, in 1978, lead was outlawed in gasoline because of what it did to your car. You're not allowed to use it anymore in paint. But for some reason, the pipes that carry our most precious, important thing, which is water, all over the country is made out of lead. And so it's not the sexy story. You know, we've got people sitting at an airport who are being detained even with green cards. We've got a Supreme Court justice who's probably going to be nominated in the next hour and a half that's going to shift the story to Roe versus Wade and to regulations and, and being a strict constructionist. But... The, the kids in Flint, they, they don't know the difference between Clarence Thomas and Clarence Darrow. They don't know the difference between, you know, Hillary and Bill Clinton. All they know is they're taking baths with bottled water. And, and some of them don't even know that other people aren't. So all I could say to people is keep reading about it. Keep thinking about it. Don't let it, you know, don't let all of these issues die because if it's very easy to be beaten down right now just as a as an American because we're seeing things we've never seen before and I wish there was a button you could push to donate money but this isn't a fundraiser I wish there was a button you could push to write a letter to your congressman but it's not going to do any good the reality is at this point lawyers need to bow up they need to get in the muck 
and they need to be willing to turn down significant amount of money to try and do right by these kids. And hopefully there's enough uh, good lawyers who don't like the lawyer jokes who are willing to do it. Well, hell, man. I uh, wish you the best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something I will say we, we bring up quite often yeah, uh, we to, have, for, for our listeners that somehow are blind to the fact that, well, there's a reason why all these other issues you just said are happening. And uh, when people can't uh, turn on their tap water and have a drink of water, that leads to some some irresponsible decisions when voting. And sometimes they're not that irresponsible if you actually think about what they have to play right, with. Right, what so, the options are. Um, one, I got one question for you. So you're a vegan. Yeah. What do you eat in Flint, Michigan when you go? Subway. He goes Subway. to Subway so with oil and vinegar. I'm the, they know me at Subway because I'm the only person <laughs> the in five delight. years that's right. gotten the veggie without <laughs> cheese. Like they, I literally walk in and they just, you know, it's it's six dollars and thirty six cents, and you know, every now and then I get a diet coke to spice things right, up. And right. uh, by the way, you might be the only person from Georgia I've ever met that's a vegan. Well, I, I'm vegan by marriage, and uh, you know I, well, I like that. I, 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 I'm as vegetarian by marriage. <laughs> right, right. I've, uh, with three sisters and a wife, I've learned early on that I just essentially, you know, pick my battles, and I very rarely pick one because yeah. I've never won one. Yeah, of course, and, you know she she's uh, she's the she's the best, and that's what. She How wants long me have to. you been vegan? Well, I've been married almost 11 years, and I've been vegan about seven. Is there anything you miss from the dark? Well, side? I cheat. Uh, okay, you do cheat. Thank God. I cheat I with I cheat with mussels. Um, mussels. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, upset. Wow. Shelf like kind of kind of like shellfish, like mussels and clams. And yes, you know, I don't know why, but it's delicious. There's That's a restaurant. There's a restaurant in Brooklyn. They should sponsor you, Joe Lee. They have uh, all you can eat mussels all week long what? on uh, Smith Street, what? other than on the weekends. Did and you so, know this? No. Well, yeah. we're going there. That's my yeah. go to spot. Okay. So okay. I've been given permission by the boss to. But not meat. You don't cheat with meat. Nah. I don't. You know, I miss cheese more than I miss meat. Understood. Cheese is like crack. You yes, know, like right. if you eat enough of it after a while, you need it when you it's give it. True. I'm shaking right now. I'm thinking about <laughs> it. But uh, yeah, so it's, you know, my wife makes stuff that tastes like meat. So so for me, it's easy. But um, I mean, we made, we did make vegan we, chili one time yeah. here, and it was pretty good it was and very you guys good. didn't even know you, t- you t- he tells us after the fact what we're eating right and the fact that you eat it i kind of I, I think i told you yeah you might have well i i know if he's eating it it's because yeah. he, he's a vegetarian i know there's no meat in but it but the thing about jeet is jeet's not into the fake meat stuff he right. doesn't like that i'm right. not really either like yeah. it's uh if you've liked meat long enough and then you stop eating it it's kind of hard to supplement it with right. the garbage like right. i'd rather just be honest and eat vegetables I because like i can't eat meat than like pretend that. i'm eating meat because i know the difference well i mean you got a support system here and I yeah really, i'm, I'm yeah. really happy for you it's i'm i'm hanging on by a thread, i'm good i'm gonna eat a little uh, bacon tomorrow morning but <laughs> you guys continue on this Corey stern thank you so much uh shit man we'll obviously be in touch and when you guys win this thing we'll we'll have you back on yeah, so honored so honored to do it thank yeah, you man no politics at the dinner table is produced by chief beta roy and um we will see you dummies next week see you next week